You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my theater kid friends to my favorite classic rock albums. And when we look at a concert album or a rock opera, they introduce me to their favorite musicals. Hello. Jamie. Hi. Paul. Hello. And Romy. Hey. Clash is the debut studio album by English punk rock band of the same name, released on April 8th, 1977 on CBS Records. It was produced by Mickey Foote, and the genre is punk rock. The U.S. version was released in July 26, 1979 on Epic Records. The producers were Mickey Foote, along with Lee Perry, The Clash, Sandy Perlman, and Bill Price. And the genre, once again, is punk rock. And from all music reviews, even Thomas Rewine. Never mind the bollocks may appear revolutionary, but The Clash's eponymous debut album was pure, unadulterated rage and fury, fueled by passion for both rock and roll and revolution. Though the cliche about punk rock was that the bands couldn't play, the key to The Clash was that although they gave the illusion, they really could play hard. The charging, relentless rhythms, primitive three-chord rockers, and the poor sound quality give the album a nervy, vital energy. Joe Strummer's slurred wails perfectly complement the edgy rock, while Mick Jones' queerer singing and charged guitar breaks make his numbers righteously anthemic. Even at this early stage, The Clash were experimenting with reggae, most notably on the Junior Mervyn cover, Police and and the extraordinary White Man in Hammersmith Palais, which is one of the five tracks added to the American edition of The Clash. Deny, Protex Blue, Cheat, and 48 Hours were removed from the British edition and replaced for the U.S. release with British-only singles Complete Control, White Man, Clash City Rockers, I Fought the Law, and Jail Guitar Doors, all of which were stronger than the items they replaced. Though the sequencing and selection were slightly different, the core of the album remained the same and each song retained its power individually. Few punk songs expressed anger quite as bracingly as White Riot, I'm So Bored with the USA, Career Opportunities, and London's Burning, and their power is all the more incredible today. Rock and roll is rarely as edgy, invigorating, and sonically revolutionary as The Clash. Alright, so, what do we think about The Clash, The Clash? The producer's Uh, name is Mickey Foote. Yes, it is. But let's not focus (laughs) on that. Let's focus on how awesome well, this how album is. How can I help is. it? <laughs> Don't you love focusing on the foot, Andrew? This album rocks, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Change the subject. No, I can't blame you. Yes, it does, by the way. Yeah, like this is... Great album. I mean, I get it. The, the Ramones is like the first punk rock album. If that's the first punk rock album, this is the first good punk rock album. Good, yeah. Take that, Ramones, you fucking nerds. No. I never listened to them. I... I Don't. <laughs> so valid the debut al- i like the debut album it's it's short but it's probably only because it's short i can i can knock it out in 30 minutes and i don't have to listen to it for another five months but like no no man i i just keep going back to this album the day i listened to the ramones debut is one of the lowest points of my life <laughs> i'll never recover <laughs> from the shame i felt the guilt what did you listen to immediately after listening to the ramones album isaiah uh that was like what July of last year. What was I listening to? I don't you know. Probably listened to 100 Gex to clear his mid out of his mouth. <laughs> I did. Jamie time traveled back in time and put me on the Gex. So now I'm living that Gex life. I saw your uh, listening thing yesterday. I was, uh, you were listening to some post punk. As I do. Yeah. And that's not far off from this, especially since the Clash dabble with post punk and their. Yeah, this, this was really good. I like this a lot. We did it. This is the isaiah punk rock redemption arc we've been waiting for yes i i can't believe you're not calling it the clash more like uh I'm, I, I can't even fit a i can't even fit mid into the clash there's like no place where mid could go there exact there's uh. 
There's just nothing That's mid good. about this album. Both the UK no, and there the really US isn't. version. I, I didn't listen to the US. I only know I fought the law. I feel bad because I, I didn't f- I should have looked for it. Uh, well, well uh, only... in case you ever do listen to the US version of White Man and Hammersmith Palais, probably one of my favorite Clash of songs of all time. My second favorite. Okay. Because first is obviously going to be London Calling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I listened to I some the... of the US version tracks. They were, they were okay. I, I know the Clash, the version of I Fought the Law, as it shows up in a bunch of movies, uh, namely uh, Coda, which appears, where it appears, like, somewhere. Um, it was for, during, like, this montage. Mm, very nice. That's a good movie. I would say that my favorite Clash song is Lost in the Supermarket. I mm. think it's lovely. But I have a lot of songs by them that I think are amazing, many of which are on this album. Um, Janie Jones being a good example. That's a good one. It's, it's just one letter I love off from it. your name. Uh, my last name isn't Jones, you silly goose. But <laughs> I, was, um, <laughs> I was talking about the first names. The the last name. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, it's so simple, but like that's just what makes it so perfect. And like, yeah. there's just no bullshit to it. It's just straight to the point. I like mean, it says were, what it says. I mean, the Ramones were simple too, but they were all bullshit. They 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 just wanted to sniff glue. But the Clash are actually saying <laughs> something. It's true. No, but there's so much. This album is so fucking substantive, and it's like kind of interesting because so much of a uh, rock and roll I find is just like kind of has like squishy sentiments that don't really mean much of anything. But that's that's something that uh, I like about punk is that if you're looking for people who have opinions on things, then this is a good genre. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I. I... I got this album like in April of 2021, around the time I was starting this podcast. I got it for three dollars, then I think that's the best deal of my life because that's I, crazy. I put it on my record player and I like I was falling in love. Like Clash City Rockers, that was a tight opener, and then it just it just does not stop whatsoever. You got I'm so bored with the USA, which honestly same. Uh, yeah. Then you got remote control, then complete control, and then they do their like re-recording of White Riot, which I I prefer the original White Riot, but it's okay because I can just picture the original White White Riot in my ears when I'm listening to the 1979 version of White Riot. Why not just listen to the original version? That's actually what I do because on my playlist of all the songs I have on vinyl, I don't have the U.S. version of White Riot. I have the original version of White Riot. Yeah, I. I love that song so much. I'm like, do you it's much- just nobody wants to go to jail. Like <laughs> my my favorite, yeah. the the chorus. <laughs> I sometimes mishear the chorus as "white rat." I want a rat. White rat. A rat on I my home. I want a rat of my own. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, on my home. On my home. Okay. <laughs> They're British. Yeah. Give them a break. Yeah. I also miss here, I fought the law, like, I lost my girl, I lost my phone. Is that not what they say? They, I, it, I think I, it's, I lost my fun, <laughs> because they're British. Is that what he says? <laughs> I don't think that's, wait, I'm going to look that up, because I has, thought that was what... Who has phones in 1977? Yeah, but let me, no, but the no, clash, no. They're just that punk. No, let me see this they're for a second. They're time travelers. The clash are time travelers. Can oh, yeah, I guess before? it is fun. Yeah, I guess you're right. I always thought it was phone, too, because that's how he says it, so... Mm. I'm just gonna keep hearing phone though. Yeah, because it rhymes with like landmark. one or whatever. And I, I guess not. Ugh, whatever. Yeah. Amazing song. Did you know that the uh, the white riot was inspired by like the uh, the Notting Hill riots of 1976? Why? Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know the all the information, but uh, there was like a a festival going on there. And like the the black community of that town and Strummer and Jones were attending. And then there was like an all out like fight between the uh, the civilians and the, the police because they were they were just giving the civilians too much of a bad time. There was like robberies, racial profiling and all that horrible stuff. And it's like the, the people, they just they just couldn't take it anymore. They just so they just fought back against those those evil police and Strummer and Jones were like, this isn't our fight. But you know what? We're going to join in because fuck this stupid place. I want to see some change in this world for all of us. So true. Well, it's, I, I, yeah. The thing about this song, the song, the shit on this album is just like, it 
they just don't care about like being commercial and marketable and that's what I kind of love about this sort of thing is that like uh especially the last song I know I'm like skipping some stuff uh Garage Land I just find it interesting cuz like you know the clash ends up being really really huge but I don't really think they lost their uh, identity or their authenticity they're still like talking about challenging things in their music that's, um oh, that being said I have not listened to Cut the Crap <laughs> Perhaps we could do it in a future Rock of Ages episode. Over my dead body. <laughs> Aw. You don't like the new Clash? <laughs> it's not that I don't like the new Clash. It's that I don't like their manager uh, butt-fucking the new Clash. <laughs> Sorry. I just love the word butt-fucking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I love Combat Rock just almost as much as I love this uh, debut album. I don't think they, they sold out at all. Just because Should I Stay or Should I Go is ginormous doesn't mean that they've they've gone pop. They've they've sold out. They've they've betrayed us. Because there's, there's well, still I mean, things like Rock the Casbah, Straight to Hell, uh, Ghetto Defendant. I mean, that there's the Clash never lost sight of who they were fighting for. Well... They're fighting for a lot of different shit, and they're also, you know, fighting cops, which I think is awesome. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. But, uh, like, to me, it's just, ah, uh, fuck. Did I just lose my train of thought? That's embarrassing. <laughs> Romy, you go. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, like, at when Joe Strummer died, uh, the Grammys, they, he was at the end of the In Memoriam, and then, like, a bunch of people seeing London Calling. I, I should have, um that for London Calling, but I just wanted to mention it, because uh, it goes to show how, like, respected Joe Strummer is. I mean, yeah, I mean, I love Joe Strummer. Yeah. He's like my dad. Strummer's a G. Yeah. He's my, he's my, wish. he's my cool walk and roll uncle. I love him. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I, th- I was gonna say that, um, a lot of people do like to say stuff like, people who listen to punk music and who listen to music in general love to gatekeep. Gatekeeping is, like, a, ver- a very popular pastime, and and another Rock of Ages episode, I was just like, um, this is kind of normie punk. And then, like, when I, when I heard those words exit my mouth, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm a fucking terrible person, aren't I? <laughs> like, wow, I suck. I, lo- I love The Clash. I, yeah. Yeah. Don't let people gatekeep things just because they're popular. Yeah. My favorite title on this album is I'm So Bored with the USA. And it was written in 1977, so I'm like, it, it, it warms my heart to know that even back then, the U.S. was considered the bastard child on the world stage. Yeah. yeah this was like a year after Bicentennial, too. Yeah. Two, the U.S. is like 201 years old now, and the Clash are like, I'm so bold with you. I don't want to watch, uh, uh, what was it? Starsky and Hutch. I don't know. It, it was, family. um... Well, Peace Best best line on that one is "Killers in America work seven days a week." That's so good, and they still do. True, and it's it's sad that like um, let's see how old is this now? Forty six years after this album, it's uh, nothing. Nothing's nothing's changed. They still work seven days a week. I can't believe yeah, this. Am- much. I mean, this America. I can't believe this album is forty six years old. It's it feels like it just came out like. Right at the start of 2020, honestly, with its subject matter still being precedent. Well, the subject matter is still is still relevant, but I feel like I, this album is very specifically like like it 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 pertains to when it was released and where it was released, like the late 70s punk scene in Britain. Like I feel like I can just imagine what it would have been like with all those protests and uh, yeah, but yeah, Brexit. go on. Well, Brexit. Brexit. This is way before Brexit. Well, you, you know, you know what I mean. You know, I was not trying to tell you. I, I know you don't. I, I know you know that Brexit was not in the seventies. Yeah. So yeah. Like Joe Strummer is not watching it. Starsky and Hutch, as I'm so bored with the USA clearly shows. But he is watching Doctor Who as a remote control shows. Good for him. That's crazy. Yeah. As he should. He's he, because like at the end he's like, I'm gonna be a Dalek. I am a robot. He's saying he's going to be a Nazi. Because <laughs> the Daleks based off the Well, Nazis. that was the joke. Because it was like institutionalization basically makes you into like a boring, like lifeless robot mm-hmm. being controlled by a higher power, essentially, like a Dalek is. My and, fav- you know, they were an allegory for Nazis. My favorite lyric on remote control is, who needs the parliament making all those laws? They're all fat and old. Fact. <laughs> they are. Still true to this day. In America, too. 
news that uh, they they cut for the U.S. version. I I listened to them for like the first time this week, and I was like, yeah, they're cool. I definitely prefer the versions on the U.S. version though, because I don't know what songs they cut for the U.S. version. Uh, cheat, deny, protest, blue, and uh, forty eight hours. Oh, I like deny and forty eight hours. The other ones I don't care for. Yeah, I don't. I I don't really like I don't really like protest blue because I think that's the class the closest the Clash got to the Ramones, and that's not meant to be a compliment. It's it's about condoms. Wait, I don't need the, the Clash. Condoms. You don't like condoms. people having safe sex. I like people like having that. safe sex. I'm not sure that Mick Jones and Joe Strummer should be telling us to have safe sex. Wear protection. Okay. Okay. Joe Strummer, Joe Strummer says wear condoms. He's, no, Joe Strummer says, and then there's the 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 cover of Police and Thieves, which I think is like one of the the it's That's the best it's the best song on both versions. Oh no, second best, White Riot. Um, I might actually agree with you. That's that's the best song on the album. Yeah, it's a cover of Junior Mervin, uh, not to be confused with Junior Marvin of Bob Marley's band. This is Junior Mervin, and Junior Mervin did not think too highly of the Clash's uh, version of Police and Thieves. He said. Oh. Quote, they ruined Jaws' work. Oh. Which, I have not, I have not listened to Mervyn's original Police and Thieves, but I, I, if if I listened to that, maybe I'd be like, hmm, maybe this Junior Mervyn guy has a point, even though I really do like this song. Uh, kind of weird how they do the whole, like, pastiche of reggae, you know? Because, like, like, even when he's doing some of the, covering some of the songs, he kind of, like, puts on a slight accent. I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, you're British. Yeah, it's, uh... I mean, but, ready to hear Sting? Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> I would rather save my British Jamaican accent higher for Sting because he's made his entire career off of that. Even when he's not doing a reggae song, uh, but I don't know shit about Sting except that he was in the B movie. <laughs> I recently found that out like a couple months ago. Well, I'm, I'm feeling a bit not... stung, Sting, or yeah. should I say, Mr. Gordon M. Sumner? I actually worked a Sting concert. If only I had asked, if only I ran into Sting and asked him about his cameo in the Kino B movie. I've been distraught. He probably would be like, I completely forgot about that. That movie's pretty peak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but not as peak as the movie where they go back in time to the first Thanksgiving to get turkeys. Wait, off it's not even movie. Thanksgiving anymore, Romy. <laughs> <laughs> it's December 16th currently and it's, Thanksgiving has been over for like a month yeah but it's still funny it is funny but you know my favorite part in Police and Thieves is actually uh, one of the lines in the choruses from Genesis to Revelation and as we all know Genesis is a prog band and you all know those punk bands they hated prog and on the third uh, repetition of the chorus. I think Joe Strummer realized that Genesis is also a prog band. It's because he like he stops in the middle of saying Genesis like he's having an aneurysm. Like he's going <laughs> from Genesis <laughs> Police 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 <laughs> I just couldn't bear it. Yeah. <laughs> um I I think that's a great song. Uh I I especially yeah, I love Junior Mervin's like equating of uh police to thieves and how they evoke both an equal amount of fear and hatred from the civilians this was this was written in like a, a time when i think Brit jamaica was still a british colony at this point or there was a they were also having a bunch of police problems like england was so it's it was president back then it's president right now and i think that's the the beauty of this album yeah. yeah, I love when like stuff can still be relevant even now. Like it's a wonderful life and its themes of like uh, suicide and especially around the holiday season, which it is now. You know, more more times than not, my my dad has yelled at an episode of like the One Thousand One Album Club for bringing up modern politics about an album that was released forty or fifty years ago. To which I disagree with him wholeheartedly, because. These the things that are being said in some of these lyrics, maybe not the more psychedelic rock albums with lyrics that aren't meant to mean anything, do still have like hold true to the climate that is happening today. And if he he said the same thing about the the Clash episode that they did, that would be rich. Mm. Yeah, that's the beauty of these kinds of albums. They allow us to like um, make sense of our present by looking at the past and then we can make oh, yeah, more punk music about the present that will there's not like, enough that will 50 music. that 50 years later if we made like a, a bunch of punk music right now 
people would look back at it the same way that we looked back at the clash uh i mean it depends on quality i guess yeah but like um i feel like there's just not enough punk music maybe i'm just not i maybe i'm just not looking hard enough for good stuff i i love soul glow um they're really great they're they're doing stuff right now yeah there's a there's a lot of good punk stuff you just gotta look hard for it because most of it these days is indie and the most of the good stuff back then weren't signed to any labels no, I'm I'm not talking about like like label stuff. You're you're right though. I just gotta look harder for it. I think. Yeah. Uh, did you know that Garage Land was written in response to uh, the Jam, which is a, a good band with some good songs, but they and they the recently jam. they recently uh, signed to a label, and they they got some new suits, and those suits were like designed after the Union Jack, and the Clash was Tisk, like, Tisk. no, you what have you done? The you, Jam has fallen. <laughs> yeah. The ogre has fallen in love with the princess. The the ogre Millions is the jam and the out. princess is the UK. Yeah. I like the song Deny. Um it's just kind of depressing cuz you know, it was written at a time when so many people were getting addicted to uh, hard drugs like heroin and he's talking about like oh, I I I've seen your arms and it's like yeah. I don't know. It's just start- sad. It starts off with a with a guy thinking that his his girlfriend doesn't want to be with him, but then it turns into oh she's on drugs. Yeah, it's a. I think it's of the of the UK songs that one's my favorite. Yeah, I I it's just depressing to think of like that time and all of the um, people who are just like getting lost to like hard drug abuse, especially in the punk scene. That was really bad. Yeah, and then of course that shifts to like you know the eighties with the AIDS epidemic. You know. Mm-hmm. But the, that makes everything horrible. The Clash were like infamously like anti-drug. Like uh, mm-hmm. when uh, in the in the '80s when uh, Topper Heaton, the drummer, was his his secret like crack or heroin stash was found. He was almost kicked out of the band, but he he got himself clean, and then his manager kicked him out. I read about that. Yeah. Speaking of drums, uh, I think the the drums on this album, rec- the original album recorded by Terry Chimes. I think that they are like the best sounding drums I've ever heard on a rock record. Like they are so like the 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 sound is just so hard and crispy. crisp. Yeah, it's all four on the floor, and it's like oh my god, these these are my the, my favorite like drums on any like rock album. This it's oh, calm down there, buddy. Like I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of like when I think of drums on this album I'm thinking of uh I fought the law just the intro to that is so hype like oh <laughs> oh yeah I, oh my gosh yeah oh and when the drums go when the when he beats on the snare six times when he's when Joe says six gun oh that is I love a good like musical joke got him I yeah I love I was gonna say when we were talking about deny uh, I just love the little background part where you're going what I, I just like stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, this album is so good. I I'm, I love Joe Strummer. I miss him so much. He's He wasn't even around for my life, and I miss him. You, couldn't, you never could have shook his hand. I had to have him ride you to baseball practice. <laughs> you know, honestly, throw, throw a basketball with you. I would honestly love to talk with Joe Strummer at a pub, like, all do. night. It's just... That's how I, I feel with Carrie Brownstein. Yeah. He's such a humble, righteous guy. Like, I'd love to hear John C. Riley sing in an Irish pub because obviously, because Derek, like, like has anyone ever seen that video of him in an Irish pub? And now there's like a video. Uh, it's been up for like, about a year of him singing that the same song on like some talk show. Very cool. Um, do you know that the last thing that uh, Joe Strummer did before he died was write a, a song with Bono? Oh, no. <laughs> no, Bono, not Ono. Uh, oh, my God. Imagine if he wrote a song with Yoko. That would just be... I'm glad he didn't. Uh, I, my notes for the song London's Burning is just good riddance, LMAO. <laughs> uh, the, the song was called... Um, uh, 4664 for uh, Nelson Mandela as part of a campaign against AIDS in Africa. So, uh I, I That's nice. I would, I, I'd like to find that. I, I wonder if it's found or lost or was never lost or anything. I would also love to hear Bono and Joe Strummer harmonize. I think that'd be cool. 
I read on Wikipedia that Joe Strummer was paid to marry some South African girl to grant her citizenship. I thought that was pretty pretty chill of him. Yeah. Except when he wanted to like actually marry someone, like he couldn't find her to divorce, which is kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least my uh, at least my boy Joe Strummer doesn't go about hating womanhood because of that one slight little incident. I yeah. lost my faith in womanhood. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the devil, uh, he actually wanted Joe Strummer to produce an album for him. I actually read oh. this up, and uh, um, one thing Morrissey wanted to do was cover uh, I Can't Explain by The Who, and like Morrissey's manager brought it up to, to Joe, and Joe was like, think he was just thinking up in his head what Morrissey mm. singing I Can't Explain would sound like, and he just looked at him and said, I hate it, I'm not doing it. Nice. He he himself. Make it he'd probably just make it depressing and sit. <laughs> I can't do a good Morrissey impression, but... I can. I'm insane. I told you, I can't do it. You want me to sing a song for you? No, don't. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> no, none of that. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm so good. Uh, Joe we Strummer's said we didn't so want Morrissey to reappear in every episode, yet here we are bringing him up every chance we get. Well, Is he going to replace he forced, my, he forced my hand, okay? I, just I, put him in I the corner. Just, I, mean, He's like I, was just looking, I was just looking up some Joe Strummer facts, and up popped Boz's stupid name and face. You replaced Ringo with Morrissey. In the next episode, if someone... <laughs> so pissed. In the next episode, if I mention Morrissey, just slap me. Okay. But Andrew... If a double-decker bus crashes, crashes into, into us, to die by to your die side, by your side is such a heavenly way, way to die. die. <laughs> he's just—he's abysmal, but he's a good writer. That's true. Oh. And uh, in 2002, December 22nd, Joe Strummer was found dead by his wife at his home in Broomfield, Somerset. He was just 50 years old. An autopsy showed he died from a heart attack caused by an undiagnosed congenital heart defect. It is yeah, I read that. Man, just Super just sad. fifty, man. Uh, I was actually just I was uh, listening to his uh, posthumous album Streetcore from like two thousand three. It was released just a couple months after I was born. Actually, loved it. That I I definitely want to actually cover that on the podcast now. That is like that's one of the underrated albums. Then tying it back to what I said earlier, the Grammys honored him by singing, uh, by having London Calling get sung by, uh, let me see, Elvis Costello, Dave Grohl, Bruce Springsteen, Steve Van Zandt, and, uh, somebody from No Doubt, and somebody who worked with Elvis Costello. Somebody who isn't Gwen Stefani. <laughs> yeah, who, who are these other people in No Doubt? <laughs> what are there other people in that band? Yeah. Oh, since you mentioned him, I do want to bring up this uh, <laughs> this uh, thing that Joe Strummer wrote in like the the mid '90s. He was asked to uh, contribute to a magazine celebrating like Bruce Springsteen, and he starts off with the sentence, the greatest sentence of all time: "Bruce is great. If you don't agree with that, you're a pretentious Martian from Venus." I'm gonna start using that as an insult to people. Honestly, I am too. I I love Joe Strummer. <laughs> I I wish he didn't have to die. And honestly, and but I'm gonna say something. It's gonna be. It's just a sun, silly, fun little theory. I just want to point out. I do not believe this theory is true. I think it's it's a stupid theory when I thought of it. And the chance of it, chances of it actually being true are like second to like not. Like 99 out of a hundred chance. This isn't true, but there is a sort of plausible deniability to it that it could be true in one of those many. And just many about to bring up theory. No, no, I'm not. It's like the theory in Amphibia that uh, One-Eyed Wally is Ivy's father. The theory that I have championed for like two years now. It's not. It's probably. It has never been proven to be true, and the chances of it being true are highly unlikely, but it's still fun to think about. And are you guys ready to hear this yeah, just incredibly the stupid theory? Uh, Joe Strummer <laughs> was murdered by the Bush administration. Well, yeah, they did everything. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. the, the plot points I brought up were that uh, in 2002, uh, Joe Strummer was actually considering reuniting with Mick, Paul Simonon, and uh, Topper Heaton, 
to reform the Clash because they just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Think about when George W. Bush was growing up as like a politician. He he knew that the Clash had like such a, a grasp on both American and British youth. And he's afraid that since they're doing the war on terror now, he's like, and they're doing all these wars in the Middle East, the, he is going to be one of the biggest targets of the Clash. The, he, and the Clash are going to be like, they're going to turn everyone against him and he can't have that. So he like sends a sleeper agent to like kill Joe Strummer or something. Straight up said he's too dangerous to be kept alive and had him offed. Yeah. yeah, let's just blame every major tragedy on George Bush. I think that's safe to say. And yeah, if, they, if the tragedy happened, <laughs> he gave birth to Morrissey. <laughs> and for his the, Bush pussy. And for the record, <laughs> Bush pussy. <laughs> yeah, that was disgusting. I'm very sorry. But, yeah. And if it happened in Britain, if it happened in Britain, blame the tragedy on Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> this reminds me of when, um, for the record, <laughs> which reminds me of when um, they brought, like, the UK um, is known for bringing any song to the charts uh, when they feel like it. They actually brought Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead, to number two. It went all the way to number two after Margaret Thatcher died. <laughs> yes. Just out of pure spite. <laughs> Rip Bozo. Just, just to. Just to clarify, I do not believe this theory is true. I have points for it, but no evidence. But if it was true and George Bush actually did kill Joe Strummer because he saw him as a threat to his popularity, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, me Where were either. you when Joe Strummer died? I was a sperm. I was at home eating cereal. <laughs> Got call on phone. Joe Strummer is kill. No. no. And I Joe's, shouldn't say that though, because he's an actual person. Yeah, it, Joe's drama is probably laughing at us from laughing with us from heaven. He's <laughs> looking down at us like, look at these fucking morons talking about me. So much, Paul. Oh no. Uh, something, something, something. Uh, Morrissey George Bush something, murdered something. Joe Strummer. <laughs> something, something. Oh, Morrissey, something, goodness. something. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! You'll have to listen to the episode to figure out why George W. Bush killed Joe Strummer. I will not clickbait. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real not clickbait. Joe Strummer would probably laugh and be like, "That's a funny theory." Now. Fuck off. And it's true. <laughs> <laughs> they finally figured it out after all these years. Uh, what really uh, happened that in fateful night? In other news, this is also going to be my last episode of the podcast because George W. Bush found out. Yeah. Oh, oh God. No. I was actually scared for a second. Andrew, I was scared. I thought you were actually going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm handing the podcast over to you, Jamie. You have to run it now. <laughs> Man, I could... We, should, we could have just an entire, like episode talking about how awesome joe strummer is because i've i've been reading like so many interviews with him over the this week he's just such a cool guy I, I may not agree with everything he says but he's just he's he's got this down to earth like he's pure not not pure but he's well, i don't know how to put it it's just kind of like it's so refreshing when like a rock and roll icon isn't a total evil person you know yeah like I remember when I figured out, like, there's some shit about David Bowie. I was like, God fucking damn it. Every single time one of these, like, people that I idolize, I'll find out that some they did something awful and I'll be really disappointed, you know? Yeah. 
Like, I mean, I still love Bowie's music, but like the stuff no, he I did was music. the stuff we did. The stuff he did was just yeah. It's a it's a sign of the just, times. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Page you, also, but like Joe Strummer. You die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Morrissey. <laughs> sorry, that's what happened with him. Um, not. I, I, I'm sorry to bring him up again. It's okay. Uh, but also, he should have died in 1986. <laughs> Joe, right. Apparently, one of Joe right Strummer's fa- favorite bands is uh The Offspring, which I'm just ab- imagining Joe Strummer blasting "Pretty Fly" from a white guy from his car. <laughs> <laughs> And also, he also likes uh, ABBA, and uh, he one of his favorite guitarists is uh, Bo Diddley, the the rock and roll icon. And uh, this surprised me, uh, Robert Fripp. Wow, what? He, I think, That's crazy. Yeah, there was like an interview, like some guy did with him and Robert Fripp because uh, because he knew both of them and he wanted them in the same room because like the prog versus the punk that'd make for an interesting topic. And then Joe was like, Robert Fripp's like the only like prog rock musician who actually knew what we were getting at and yeah. so i think if you're gonna choose one choose the goat yeah choose the frit man <laughs> yeah have you guys seen those uh, uh we'll talk we'll, we, we'll talk about more we'll talk more about robert fripp when we get to in the core of the crimson king i'll save my funny robert fripp stuff for then no mm-hmm. i love that time. album yeah I, uh, Isaiah, I was freaking out a little. I thought you said R.I.P. Steve Hackett, and I was like, what? No. <laughs> I, I, I heard that. I was like, oh, I, I freaked him out. No. <laughs> yeah, what what did you say again? I said, sorry, Steve Hackett, because I said Robert Fripp, where I implied that Fripp was better than him. I, mean, I do think that, though. Sorry, Steve Hackett. <laughs> he forgives you, probably. He's a he's cool. He's also, he's also down to earth, like Joe Strummer. Every single artist we talk about on Rock of Ages listens to the podcast and has heard what we say. <laughs> this is even the dead ones. One. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even the dead ones. Man, this just became less of a clash episode and more of a let's gush about Joe Strummer episode. Well, it's a bit, it's more of a you gushing about Joe Strummer episode. Not that I mind. Yeah. Well, there's just, so yeah. much to gush about Joe Strummer, man. Uh, well, I mean, like, I know, yeah, I know punk, but I don't, I don't know the Clash. Well, if you're gonna know so, any punk, know the Clash. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, are, I can recommend a lot of stuff though if you want punk. <laughs> don't don't scare him. One of my yeah, he'll he'll get he'll get scared. I want to talk about <laughs> just a little bit more about I thought fought the law. My notes for this: if if you don't like this song, you should kill yourself. <laughs> well, that I was li- like, well, I like the song. So I that love makes song. one of us. <laughs> I adore this song. I love it so much. It's so catchy and fun. I yeah. There's also uh, Complete Control, which is playing right now. I thought that was a, a super tight song. It was like the sequel to Remote Control, where it just it diss tracks Remote Control. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Uh, Paul, you didn't get to talk oh. much this episode. Uh, how do you feel about this yeah, album? Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, I think this, song, this album is great. Like, I only listened to this, like, like, I tried listening to it several times throughout the week, and I'm just like, I get distracted by something because it's exam week for me. But it'd be like, but like two hours before it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna sit down and finally listen to everything. And so the notes you see are like my immediate thoughts, and they keep on changing. Very cool. I think like I still don't understand what that line in "What's My Name" is. The a a tanoi. There's no line. Yeah, I know what a tanoi is, but I don't understand the lyric. Like it's something like. he missed the tanoi. Uh, dad got dad go pissed, so I got clocked. Couldn't hear the tanoi, so he lost the lot. Offers mum a bribe through the letterbox. Drives you fucking mad. He got clocked. That happens to me a lot too. Damn! Oh my uh, god. See, <laughs> um, yeah, I I feel bad. I mean, I've been there. Uh, he tried to, he tried to bribe bribe his own. He tried to bribe his mom into getting back together with him. Yeah, yeah, and what a and the, Yeah, and Joe's. Uh, the genius page is like Joe is sees this as bullshit and is angry about it. Yeah, I read that. And, then, well, t- and it also says here Tenoy is a long-running British loudspeaker manufacturing company. So I think it's supposed to be a bit of irony, like Tenoy makes loudspeakers, but he couldn't hear it. I don't know. It's kind of like a school assembly alarm or school assembly speaker. Yeah, get schooled. Beating up your wife is bad. A hot take, but I agree. Hot take. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a hot take in the 70s. 
Like, is it? I mean, it seems like it when you look at how many like rockers have been like you know violent people. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. John have you guys Lennon. Talked about Janie Jones yet? Oh, but the, well, I'm, yeah, not much. But it's a great song. Oh, I'm in love with the yeah, rock and roll that's, world. That's my number two I'm song. Getting that stone. I heard. Whoa. What is your number one song? My number one song is. Uh, I know it. I know it in my head. Um. Oh, what is it? It's a. Uh, I know it in my head. It's it was on the U.S. It was on the U.S. track. Oh, is it White it Man in Hammersmith one. Palais? It's one who's like going midnight to six man for the first time from Jamaica. That is a great song, but no, I was thinking of I Fought the Law. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's Hero. my favorite. I Fought the Law sweep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still a white man and Hammersmith Palais guy myself, just because of what it means. But uh, it's, yeah, I'm. Well, I thought the law is a wonderful cover. Uh, and the white man and Hammersmith Palais, for those who didn't listen to the U.S. version, uh, it's about like Joe Strummer coming back from Jamaica for the first time. He's got all these cool new reggae influences, and he sees how badly reggae is being treated in the U.K. right now, and how the the pop reggae that's being played in the UK right now is giving it like a, a bad name. Like it's not making it this force of protest that it is. And like, and the way he could face it is just so, Oh, I love it. Uh, my, okay. that was, a, I did not like that. It went a bit too uh, far. Uh, my, my... I remember like when, it, when I heard pop reggae, I immediately thought of like that cover of red, red wine, which like you be 40. Yeah, it was like a minor hit in the U.S. Yeah. But then, like, this one DJ, um, like, when it came out in 1983, but then this one DJ was, like, um, he spotlighted as part of, like, an ongoing series of songs that should have been bigger hits, and then he got, like, a big response, and, like, he actually convinced the record label A&M to release it again, and then it got, then it was, like, number one, <laughs> all because of one guy. Here, let me let me pick that you is, some oh, of my uh, my favorite lyrics from White Man and Hammersmith Palais. Punk rocker in the UK. They won't notice anyway. They're all too busy fighting for a good place under the lighting. The new groups are not concerned with what there is to be learned. They got Burton suits. <laughs> you think it's funny? Turning rebellion into money? All over, people changing their votes along with their overcoats. If Adolf Hitler flew in today, they send a limousine anyway. Like, oh my god, Man, Joe Strummer like was a... Just he was a G. Don't say that. <laughs> okay. Yeesh. I wanted to. Nope. I wanted to go off of something nope. that you had said that one person could make that one song get really popular. It made me think of Beetlejuice. Yeah, like hear the, me out. The spread of mouth. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice only became popular mainly because one of the understudies started posting on TikTok. Oh, the musical. Oh. And then. Yeah, the musical. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I should have specified that. Like, it's okay. it was doing okay-ish. And then the understudy started posting on TikTok and people were like, wait, what the heck is this? What the heck is this musical? And so everyone melody? started going to it. <laughs> yeah. And you know the rest. I guess so. Um, uh, before we go into our uh, ratings, I want to read to you guys the Robert Kriska review of the US version. I got oh jump scared. God, <laughs> yeah, that was really scary. Sorry, I didn't mean to make it that loud. Cut for cut, this may be the greatest rock and roll album ever manufactured in the U.S. It offers 10 of the 14 titles on the band's British debut, as well as 7 of the 13 available only on 45. And the sequencing is anything but haphazard. The 8 songs on side 1 divide into self-contained pairs that function as extended oxymorons on careerism, corporate power, race, and anami. Yet the package feels misbegotten. The UK version of The Clash is the greatest rock and roll album ever manufactured anywhere, partly because its innocence is of a piece. It never stops snarling, it's always threatening to blow up in your face. I'm still mad the real thing wasn't released two years ago, and I know for certain that the singles would have made a dandy album by themselves. I made a tape! Nevertheless, a great introduction and a hell of a bargain. A. Awesome. Very cool, Chris. He was, he was right for that. Yeah. He made a tape. <laughs> he made the tape. We gotta sneak into his house and get the tape. Alright, uh, Isaiah, this is this is like eons better than the Ramones, so how about you go first? I agree. <laughs> um, this is an 8 for me. Super, super solid debut, even though it's technically not their debut over here. <laughs> um, but yeah, super good album. I love this album. 
eight uh, out of ten. Oh yeah, this yeah, uh, this the debut was not their debut in the America. It was uh, give him enough rope, uh, which we will get to, along with uh, of course London Calling and Combat Rock, and maybe Sandinista if we're lucky. But then again, that's like two and a half hours long. So yeah. I love London Calling yeah, so I've, much. I've got some opinions on London Calling, but we'll 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 get to them eventually. Okay. How about you, Jamie? Out of ten. What would I give it? Yeah. I'm giving this one a 9.4 out of 10. One of my favorite punk albums and also just one of my favorite albums generally. Yeah. Paul? I give it a 9 out of 10. It was an 8.5 until I heard the U.S. singles and then it went up to a 9. <laughs> I thought the law changed your life. All right. It really did. I'm not going to give this a 9. I'm not going to give this a 9.1. I'm, gonna, I'm giving it a 9.15 because it's just that good and this is just one of those seminal punk rock albums one of those seminal debut albums definitely one you should have on your collection it makes me angry it makes me want to fight for my rights it makes me want to take like a bureaucrat or an aristocrat or some just conservative talking head and smash his face in this this is what this album makes me want to do <laughs> the the big mouth tracks again treat Get it a little steamed up. Stop talking about the Smiths. Oh my god. <laughs> we need to stop this bit, Isaiah. Having been having said that though, um I'm not so sure if I would recommend this to a theater kid because this is just one of those great albums. But so was the Velvet Underground and Nico, and we wouldn't really recommend that to a theater kid because it's it's not their style of music. Any any album can be like a wonderful work of art and still not be perfect for like your average theater kid to listen to. So Yeah, I don't know too many punk musicals. Uh Murder Ballad could Spring Awakening qualify. Not Spring Awakening. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Uh how about uh Lizzie? I think Lizzie could qualify to an extent. You know, There's just a silence in the room. You know what we need to do? No, you know what we need to do? We need to make a punk musical. We gotta make that punk musical. Mm. If I wanna not, make a hyperpop musical. If they're not gonna give I us the make... if they're not gonna give us the punk and hyperpop musicals, we're gonna make it ourselves, damn it. I'm yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I wanna make a musical that kinda sounds like uh Illinois Illinois with um more like classical influence like, that would or, honestly like, go very hard yeah and some golden age a little bit of golden age glamour <laughs> la la land man i was i was yeah. so mean towards illinois when we did that that is such a good album it is a great album my very first episode <laughs> that was almost a hundred episodes ago holy shit crazy. yeah man yeah wow and yeah the this album was awesome Oh, and uh, career opportunities. <laughs> True. Did you know that career opportunities was inspired by Mick Jones's job as like a, a mail opener at the post office? His his job was to inspect like envelopes and make sure they're not filled with bombs planted by the IRA. What a job! This is yeah yeah that's yeah. what England was like in the seventies. It's crap sack. I mean, it's still crap sack for but for many other reasons now. Mm. Yeah, like that the whole like troubles in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Joe Drummer. You did a great job. Yeah, and like I just want to point out, the troubles were depicted quite well in uh, Belfast. Haven't seen Belfast since it came out, but it's okay. I'm not a I'm not a big uh, what's his face fan. The guy who directed that movie. Yeah, that guy. I don't know. I think he's a little overrated, but he's, he's not that bad. You know, um, Clash may not be in my my favorite bands list, or or at least in like the top ten. But they're definitely like in my like top ten bands after the seventies, uh, and probably they should just be like they're just the top ten greatest bands in general. Like I just can't can't stop thinking about them. You can tell. Yeah, they can make a they can make a tune out of anything they don't like. And my and one of my favorite parts about the Clash is that they're not they're not stupid. <laughs> they and they're not going after like like glam or prog bands because they don't like them. They they're going after stuff that yeah. matters. Musicals shit like like like, like condoms. different genres of like rock musicians infighting is so lame to me. Like shut up, no one cares about your petty little arguments. You know, yeah. there's real shit going on in the world, especially like if it's in like the late seventies and sixties. Actually, no, 
there's shit going on in every single time. And it's kind of stupid young. to waste time with like, yeah, exactly. It's stupid to waste time on pointless arguments like that. Although there yeah. is like that in, in Clash City Rockers, uh, they name job Bowie and Gary Glitter. And uh, Mick Jones in like a 2003 interview was like, uh, that lyric about Gary Glitter was written before the internet. And then he just smiled. Because we all know what happened to, with Gary Glitter in the 2000s, right? No, actually, yeah. I, I don't. I'm not knowledgeable. Forgot to delete his collection uh, of porn, child porn. Oh, what so, did I just return to? So yeah, Whoopsie. they were they were hating on Gary Glitter before it was cool. <laughs> I mean, you could still hate you could still hate on him back then because I listened to some of his songs I did not like him. Whether it was because he was a pedophile or not, caught in my vision, I don't I don't know. But I didn't I. Even if I didn't know that, uh, I probably would not have like, liked the songs. <laughs> it's just like when Mad, the Cartoon Network show, hated on John Lasseter. <laughs> he ma they made him the villain of the short. Taking Nemo. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, taking Finding Nemo would have been so different if it was more like Take Liam him. Neeson playing Marlin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I, to be fair, Albert Brooks did an incredible job with it as Merlin. Of course, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, well, uh, next week is going to be our holiday episode. Christmas episode. Yay! Yay! Hopefully, yeah! Hopefully, Wait, hopefully, you know what this means? What does it mean? Hopefully, Andrew, this yeah. means you got to listen to Sympathy for the Grinch by 100 Gex. Maybe. <laughs> Never gave me ever. a goddamn thing that I want. I was good every day, but he didn't give a fuck. <laughs> Love that song. But 10 out of 10. The Christmas album that I actually chose for this Christmas episode isn't even a Christmas album, but it does uh, have a Christmas song on it. And uh, I oh I no. wasn't really originally going to do this episode, but then uh, the uh, the singer for this particular band just recently died, and I did want to pay my respects. And I did listen mm. to the album, and it's an amazing album. And is. I think it's a... I know what we're doing. Yep. The next album... Is. The next album we'll be looking at is The Pogues, If I Should Fall from Grace with God. Okay. I'm down with that. All right. Thank you.